This is a Mortarbox Media Podcast. For more podcasts and to learn how we can help you create your own, visit mortarboxmedia.com. Welcome once again to Chill Filtered, the podcast where we drink whiskey so you don't have to, but you probably should. On today's show, we're going to be drinking some Hancock's Reserve, and it's going to be delicious, so look forward to that. But before we get to that, we need to get down to just a little bit of business. Thank you so much for tuning in. Please hit the subscribe button if you haven't, and while you're there, you can leave us a rating and a review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts app. Ratings help people find the show. Reviews help us know what you like, maybe what you'd like to see different about the show. And if you want to support us even more, you can go to patreon.com slash chillfiltered. That's the business. Here's the podcast. Cole, I don't sound as excited as I normally do, but how are you today? <laughs> I'm pretty good. It's uh, you know, it's one of those weeks where you just feel energized in a way, at least for me. Oh, you do? Um, yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> yeah, 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 not not you. Um, I I just kind of felt like on a roll at work and uh, you know, just having fun outside of work and starting to study again for my next exam, which is kind of hard, but so far I'm slowly getting on a roll with it. And then um, I did like bust my toe the other day. I was playing volleyball, like sand volleyball with some friends. And let's just say my toenail might not have been clipped as much as it should have been. And Gross. it like straight up like it, it inverted like halfway down the nail. And uh, so that was a bummer. And I can't like run right now, even though I'm trying to get back into shape by like running here and there. Yeah. So that's off the table until this gets fixed. Uh, otherwise, yeah, I'm trying to think. Yeah, it was a good week. I uh, enjoyed it quite a bit. I'm trying to think. Yeah, I've been drinking a lot more in terms of like frequency. <laughs> and that's that's a fun thing. I don't know. Like the other day I was like, I'm just going to have me some handy. And I like posted it on the Instagram. And You want to uh, say that again, Cole? What? what I've been drinking more? No, uh, I'm going to have me some handy. Oh, no, no. I will not say that again. <laughs> There's always something. I'm pulling at myself. Something that I say that I'm like, why did I say that? Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I, uh, yeah, been good. How are you? I'm sick. I mean, besides sick. I'm sick. Yeah. That's, uh. Have you been going to work? Um, so I, I, uh, went to work all week. Uh, I went in on Thursday and about three hours in, I was like, nope, not going to do this. Really? So what are your symptoms? uh, uh, I just have I have a really bad cough and just like uh like uh not dizziness but like just like weakness and stuff. So sure. Ashley got diagnosed with pneumonia last weekend. Ooh. And I was pretty confident that I had it, but when I went to the doctor they're like, "No, you just must have like a hell of a viral thing going on." So That's oh, rough. Uh, yeah, it it is rough. But um can go ahead. No, you don't know what were you going to ask? Can you taste whiskey okay? We'll find out. I haven't had whiskey in a little while, so um, yeah. I sure. I don't have I don't have any like um, 
I don't have like my nose isn't stuffy, so like I should be able to taste. I think I don't know. Um, but yeah, so I don't know. My my week has basically consisted of uh, being a bum and uh, slacking on the daily chaser episodes. I uh, I actually oh, yeah. put I put one up yesterday for the first time all week, uh, and I just because I felt bad. But um, yeah, I don't know. Life is good, but uh, b- before we go any further, Cole. I just want yeah. to say, you you uh, you recorded an episode with a friend last week, and and that That's was right. good. And uh, what yeah. was is it? John is that his name? John Montero. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I have some issues with the episode. <laughs> oh yeah, please bring them up. Yeah, you told me in a text. You're like, we will have some words on a few things. So I don't I'm remember. Listening. I don't remember everything. I need to go back and listen. Uh, but you guys, first of all. You kept talking about how Madison is like, especially all about the brandy, uh, old fashions. Was no it Wisconsin as a whole. It's Wisconsin as a whole. It's not central okay. to Madison. It is that okay. is a Wisconsin thing. So but that's one correction. Also, you guys shat upon brandy old fashions so much, like it's it's unbelievable to me. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but you realize that like nowhere else does that, right? But I mean, who cares? <laughs> That's you, true. That's the true. thing is, is you guys were talking about it like, like it was the it, the most disgusting thing that anybody could do. Like you guys kept saying, "Why would anybody do that?" Blah blah blah. blah. And it's like it, it's liquor. You know, it's it's liquor. So noted, noted. And uh, I apologize, Wisconsinites and brandy. Yeah, you should. And to call Corbell the Fleischmans of Brandy. How <laughs> dare you, sir? How dare you? I did think about that later. I'm like, it wasn't the Fleischman status, but in terms of Brandy, it wasn't high end. So you're right, you're right. I'll take that yeah, one too. It's like it's like the Svedka of Brandy. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I agree with that. Um, And then I more stuff is coming back to me here. How uh-huh. dare John accuse me of being a stalker who would who would kidnap Ben Folds? <laughs> we, we just like it's funny because he brought it up, and I'm like, yeah. The more, I mean, I guess John just maybe instigates that a little bit, but in a way, I'm like, yeah, that was a little weird. But I'm glad, um, Adam, that you haven't done anything besides have good conversations with Ben Folds. Yeah, yeah, me too. He actually uh, seems just like a this, cool guy. Yeah, just this week he. Um, he teamed up with a website called Reverb.com, and he's selling okay. like a ton of his musical gear on that website. Oh, wow. And I'm like, yes, I wish I had money to buy stuff, but I don't. So. What's like the range of prices of some of his items? Uh, I didn't actually look at the prices, so who knows? Probably cool. very expensive. Yeah, but that's kind of cool. Um, Cole, tell us what we're drinking uh, right now and today on this episode. Yeah, we're drinking a bourbon. It is from Buffalo Trace Distillery, and we'll get into a little more of who it's really from slash who owns it, Um, but it is a uh, mash bill number two bottle from the Buffalo Trace mash bill, you know, like bottles, and it's Hancock's President's Reserve, and uh, yeah, it's bourbon, 88.9 proof, and uh, it's similar to a few other bourbons, um, but it's different in its own way. I think it's kind of underrated personally, but yeah. President or uh, Hancock's President's Reserve bourbon. That's what we're drinking today. 
Well, I said it wrong in the intro then because my sample bottle just has Hancock's Reserve on it. Oh, either way. It goes by either, so you can keep it. Okay. Well, yeah, I wasn't going to re-record it, so. Good. Um, (laughs) uh, What do you say you start telling us about this? But before all of that and before we taste, as always, we're going to take just a quick break. Back from break here on Chill Filtered, and uh, as you heard Cole say before we uh, went to break, we're going to be drinking Hancock's President's Reserve, uh, and so I'm looking forward to that. I know nothing about this, Cole. Uh, a lot of times I at least have some sort of uh, semblance of an idea of, about the whiskey we're drinking, but on this one today, I don't, so hit me with it. Yep, sounds good. Now we got a stumpy bottle today, and uh, it's kind of cool label. It's got a wood wood cork and uh, just a gold label. It's kind of cool, golden red label. Uh, it's from Buffalo Trace Distillery, uh, and I'll mention a few facts about Buffalo Trace. Maybe some that we haven't heard before, even though I would say like a third of our episodes are Buffalo Trace bottles. Maybe maybe a quarter. Um, and they started distilling in eighteen twelve. Uh, they had other names uh, along the way since that point, uh, like the George T. Stagg Distillery or the Old Fire Copper Distillery, as well as a few others. Um, it claims to be the most award-winning distillery, and I actually sort of believe that. It's hard to like really judge that, like what are, what kind of awards are considered in that and all that stuff. Uh, but they do get quite a bit of awards, uh, whether it be at the you know Jim Murray Whiskey Bible or the San Francisco Spirits Competition or whatever. They win a lot. Uh, they produce 2.65 million gallons per year, and one gallon doesn't equal a bottle, of course. That equals quite a few bottles. Um, and so that's a lot of bottles of whiskey a year. Um, something I found out today, Adam, we've talked about Mark Brown, the uh, president and CEO of Buffalo Trace, and mm. I've had a few correspondences with him, uh, mostly through writing. Um, um, through, Cole, yeah, like, I believe... The word you're looking for is correspondi. Oh, is it it? No, is it, I'm, just, it I'm, I'm just fucking with you. It's, it's like the uh, the Brian Regan thing. He's like, German, Jermaine, Jackson, Jackson 5. And he's like, uh, or what's the thing he says before? He's like, box and a donuts. Um, Have you ever anyway. considered a career in stand-up, Cole? Because that was spot on. Yeah, yeah, I would like to say so. And then I should probably just consider a career in quoting other people, but I'd like to say I give them credit. <laughs> I would like to say that I say this one's a Chris Farleyism or That's this right. one's a Mitch Hedbergism. But yeah. So, but I just found out that Mark Brown is British. Did you know that? No, I didn't. Yeah, I was like reading an article that he talked to, or that he was writing to Lou Bryson, who's a big whiskey writer and uh mark brown talked about how he like grew up under a bar almost literally because his parents like owned a bar and he's like in like britain and he's like then i moved to the u.s and started working with sazerac and i was like whoa whoa, whoa." he grew up in britain so i like looked up a youtube video with him and he straight up got an accent so i never knew that so mark brown if you're listening that's great we uh, totally appreciate your britishness but i totally didn't realize that until now like Five years after I first talked to you. Um, so anyway. Uh, so and Mark this, Brown, if you're listening, this is Adam here saying, 
it really doesn't affect anything I think of you. <laughs> oh yeah, no, for sure. It almost makes me like respect him because he's got a little bit of both sides of the uh, distilling side of uh, you know the Scotch slash UK side and the uh, American side. So that's kind of cool. Um, the bottle was named after Hancock Lee. And so I did some like um, research and there wasn't too much available. In fact, I'll get into the Buffalo Trace doesn't even talk about him pretty much at all on their website. It has like a little quip about him. But apparently he and his brother Willis Lee uh, established the Lee's Town settlement uh, in what was it, what is now Frankfort, Kentucky. Uh, where the Buffalo Trace Distillery is, right along the uh, Kentucky River. And that was originally in Virginia uh, until Kentucky became a state in what year, Adam? 1987. You were really close. Um, it was 1792, which wow. is where we get the name of uh, that, that Sazerac brand, 1792. Let me um, let me interrupt you really quick, Cole. Uh, yeah. Did you say Hancock's last name is Lee? That's correct. Yeah, his first name is Hancock. Do you know, is there any relation to Elmer T. Lee? Not not in any, like, obvious way. I mean, they might be related, similar to, like, I might be related to, like, George Washington. Okay. Um, but no, there's no direct. Yeah, nothing there. Yeah. And um, let's see. Yeah, there's nothing that leads me to believe that Hancock Lee ever made whiskey. In fact, there's no strong evidence that there was ever distilling on that site until 1812. Um, like I mentioned earlier, that's when they started distilling. And I believe that was Albert Blanton that was the first one to distill there. Um, so, yeah, he was just a settler, um, but certainly the settler of some great land on the Kentucky River. And I don't know if I've ever mentioned this on the uh, podcast before, but... Um, the Kentucky River, they claim, has like basically like magical uh, distilling water properties, and they claim that that's really because of the limestone water. And Kentucky is known for its limestone, um, I guess, like uh, topography and all that stuff. Like not topography, even though there is stuff like that. Um, there's just a lot of limestone. You see, like the Mammoth Cavern is in Kentucky, and that's because limestone caverns formed. Um, and so what they say is that limestone kind of filters out the iron and water and they say iron is like so bad for, uh, distilling and it really purifies the water, makes it better for bourbon. And they like claim this, in fact, so much so that you can buy Kentucky river limestone water on Amazon to like Ooh. mix with your bourbon. So it's a funny thing in that way. But I sort of believe it. Like I, I believe that it's probably better than some other rivers to use for distilling. But that's what they claim, especially Buffalo Trace. I talked to uh, Freddie Johnson, one of the tour guys there. He's like a legend. And he was like, yeah, no, it's a big deal. Like limestone water is, is amazing. So I thought that was kind of cool. Uh, Hancock's Reserve, what we are drinking today. Uh, so I got... I often go to Buffalo Trace's website and I look into what they say about the bottle or the person. Cause you'll see like George C. Staggs on there and you'll see like things about the bottle, George C. Stagg. Um, but this actually was very different. Uh, there was not much on the website at all and I couldn't even really find the bottle on their website. Um, Sazerac though, the, the company that owns Buffalo Trace does have another website. It's called greatbourbon.com, and it mentions Hancock Lee in reference to the bottle and it says quote 
The single barrel bourbon uh, whiskey pays tribute to the pioneering spirit of Hancock Lee, unquote. Basically saying, like, this guy was a settler. I mean, it really doesn't give any credit. I mean, he's your average settler, really. He got some good land, and that land was eventually made into the Buffalo Trace Distillery. Um, or part of it was. Um, but yeah, there's nothing that's special about Hancock Lee, in my opinion, outside of, you know, he got some good land. Uh, but I like that he had a pioneering spirit, and they named the bourbon after him, so that's kind of cool. Uh, what we're drinking is a single barrel, straight bourbon. So, um, you know, in terms of age statement, we at least know it's two years, but it's likely a little more, but there is no age statement on this one. And I couldn't get any estimates anywhere online. Uh, it is Mashville number two. Uh, which is a higher rye content bourbon than Mashville Number no. One, and Mashville Number no. One has like things like Eagle Rare, um, some of the uh, Taylors, uh, Stag stuff like that. But Mashville Number no. Two, what we're drinking today, the big five are Blanton's, Elmer T. Lee, Rock Hill Farms, and Ancient Age, including the Hancocks as I make it the five. Um, the brand of Hancocks President's Reserve, uh, like all Mashville Number no. Two brands. Uh, which I just found out all of them, um, is owned by Age International. And we talked about Age International in the Blanton Straight from the Barrel episode. And it's a Japanese company that I believe in the early 90s bought um, Mashville Number no. 2's, like, you know, Blanton's and all that stuff. And they sell it exclusively to wherever they want. Uh, and that's why we never get special edition Blanton's in the U.S., I have no idea why they do that, but that's why uh, it can happen because it's not owned by Buffalo Trace. It's technically owned by a Japanese company, but it's made by Buffalo Trace, which is weird. They just sell the brand through the you know bourbon process. I mean, like making the bourbon and they sell the, the bottles. So anyway, 88.9 proof. And uh, we actually, the I've been working with uh, Bourbon Charity and they did a like a con not a contest like a vote kind of thing that said uh, based on samples of all five of Mashville number two which one's the best and it was funny because we all kind of expected either like Blanton's or um, Rock Hill Farms to be the first choice uh, and Rock Hill Farms definitely won it um, but I was looking at all the data and it looks like Hancock's Reserve was in like the obvious second uh it wasn't a competition after number one it was like no definitely hancock's reserve second so it was kind of cool that it beat out elmer t lee blanton's and ancient age isn't something to be like age days obviously lost it's not really a super fancy bourbon um but it's still good i actually recommend it for the price if you can find it um also hancock's reserve is pretty rare. I rarely see it ever. Um, except for recently when I bought it, I got it at Total Wine and there were like 12 on the shelf. So I'm like, dang, got to grab one of those. And the Total Wine price is what I got it for, which was $49, $49.99. So nice. that's the history of Hancock's Reserve. Now, let me ask you, Cole, did you say that there's no that that Hancock Lee wasn't, he didn't distill stuff? He just found the land? Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. You're wrong. Am I? You are. Uh, so I'm reading, yes, the land was surveyed by one Hancock Lee of the famed Lees of Virginia, uh, which I yep. believe would then be like Robert E. Lee and, and things like that, um, who later in 1775 shared his whiskey with the English diarist Nicholas Cresswell. So I mean, he's at huh. least known for, for distilling whiskey. Really? And yeah. where's this? Where's your source? 
Uh, this is whiskeyreviewer.com. Uh, Hancock huh. Lee disappears yeah. from the timeline in 1786, but the distillery has honored his trailblazing enterprise by naming an expression of its single-barrel bourbon whiskeys for him. Huh. That's pretty weird because uh, even Buffalo Trace doesn't acknowledge anything. Like They like say, like, pioneering spirit, but not, like... He didn't distill it all, so that's very contradictory to what I was reading. I I'm not saying yours is wrong. Yours yeah, I guess I shouldn't legit. say. It. Yeah, I shouldn't say you're wrong. I just should say that I'm seeing other that's, evidence here. No, that's cool. No, I'm uh, I'm open to that. And maybe next week, if I remember, I'll look into it even more and just kind of get more sources there to see if there are any like primary sources or anything. Eh, um, whatever. <laughs> but, but yeah, but yeah, let's drink. I'm uh, about to pop the uh, cork, and it's a thick cork, so it might make a plunker. Okay. Ah, that was Ooh. higher pitch than I expected. Yeah, but it was still a good little bloop. Yeah, I liked it. I have so I have already poured. Already? I have already ah. poured and have been smelling. Um, it's uh on the nose. It's it's pretty cinnamony and uh, pretty sweet. I would say. Yeah. What do you think about strawberries? Not getting that. No, I'm getting a little bit of that. It's pretty subtle, but I dig it. Yeah, a little bit of caramel. Your your bourbony smell. Um, but yeah, strawberries, and it's very light on the nose for me. It's not too potent in any way. Um. Yeah. So I took a sip. Mm-hmm. You said this is 88.9? That's correct. Feels a little hotter than that, but uh, it's good. Right away, there was a general fruitiness with no specific fruit note that I would say, but just a general fruitiness. And then it pretty quickly became cinnamon, and on the finish, it is definitely still very cinnamony, like like, uh, eating some uh, sugar and cinnamon toast, and just that kind of... uh, like you can almost feel the granule grains of of uh, sugar and cinnamon, kind of in the yeah. finish. Yeah, I, I, it reminds me of breakfast in a way. Like you were saying, like cinnamon sugar toast. It's very yeah. subtle. It's not too, you know, you're not getting these flavors that are like bam, bam, bam. Um, I am still getting strawberries even on the palate. Um, mm. Yeah, and this would go really well with like a, a strawberry shortcake kind of thing. Maybe some bourbon cream. Yeah. You ever had uh, Buffalo Trace's bourbon cream? No. It's actually delicious. It's, I think it's basically Buffalo Trace bourbon, sugar, and cream. And then they probably put some sort of... I think probably the bourbon itself works as a preservative for the milk or like the cream. Right. Uh, so it can last a while. You're supposed to put it in the fridge once you open it, but... It's so good, and it goes fantastically on a like strawberry shortcake or like ice cream or something like that. It's great. Yeah, I believe you've told us that before. Have I? You've talked. You've talked about it and talked about it with ice cream before. Okay, cool. Yeah, it's good. But this whiskey, uh, I tell you what, I could definitely eat or drink this with breakfast. I like. I could definitely mm-hmm. have some French toast and enjoy uh, an ounce of this at the same time. Yeah, I mean, it is 9 a.m. where I am as I'm drinking it, so it kind of fits. Yeah, I know. I, I know. Hold on, I got a cough. Sorry, everybody. There you go. <coughs> so mm. we, 
Adam and I are now on a one-hour difference time zone-wise because Arizona does not take part in Daylight Savings. So it switches. We are now technically on Mountain Time. Even though we're technically on Arizona Time, we are sharing Mountain Time right now with um, the world or the part of the country. Right. What do you think about the finish? Well, I told you already, it's very much still cinnamon and sugar on the finish there. I really like Mm -hmm. it. It lasts a long time. Um, and it's just very, very pleasant on the finish there. So, yeah, it's it's very light, but good. It's not light in a watered down way. It's just it's just toned down. Um, I'd say like compared to another Mashville number two, for example, uh, Blanton's. This is um, just just toned down, but it's it's good. It's very good. I wouldn't say anything bad about this one. Yeah. It's just in Blanton's, you'll get a little bit more vibrancy in it. I uh, I dropped some, uh, one drop of water in it, and uh, I uh-huh. will say that it really uh, made it very buttery on the nose. It, I mean, it just kind of smells like straight up butter. Really? I'm putting some water in now. It has, it has certainly um, diminished the cinnamon note on the nose at least i haven't tasted it yet yeah and i'm losing a little bit of that strawberry nose that i got it's just it's pleasant but i can't really pull out any notes on the nose but it is surprisingly different for just a little bit of water changing the nose so much yeah and uh so i just took a sip and right away uh, I just felt like I was drinking water, and then suddenly a much spicier. Um, it's suddenly spicy, I should say. I, I don't. It's not cinnamony. It's just really spicy all of a sudden. I don't know if that makes sense or not, but no, it does. And I think one thing that I will say about this bourbon is I will still defend my strawberry note, uh, but it's very sweet. I mean, it's not like crazy sweet, but it's sweet like a strawberry to me. It's not your sweetest fruit you're going to get, and it's not usually too bitter or anything like that, um, but it's the subtle sweetness that just prevails. So, And I got that with the palate, with the, I mean, with the water, and I'm about to drop a cube. I, uh, what you thinking? I haven't done the cube yet. I was just taking another drink, but uh, trying to figure out if I like it better with that water in it or not. I think I like it better neat, just a bit. With a cube on the nose, everything is gone. Yeah, it's pretty tame. I'm getting slight sweetness, but it's almost completely gone. Yeah, I don't smell anything. Mm. Wow. With ice and wa- and um like and the palate, it is a little bit Sweeter, actually. Oh, I was going to say it got bitter. Yeah, no, I get that, especially on the finish. But on the front of the palate, ooh, yeah, the finish is terrible with water. You mean I would definitely not sip this with ice. I mean, yeah, with a cube, yeah. Yeah, um, it's immediately bad for me. There's no no good portion of this. Uh, Oh, wow. Yeah, Yeah, it's it's really bad. Really, really bad. Yeah, listeners, I would not recommend putting ice, but if you want to find out how bitter it is, go for it. But ew, this was the worst. Like, it went from good to pretty good to terrible. 
right uh, with ice yeah it is not uh it's not favorable with that ice in there uh, yeah really just so, kind of ruined uh a good whiskey yeah so i have a question for you adam with yeah. with your rating scale do you combine your well that's um, the thing cole i guess that, like that's what we talk about every time i i brought this up like it, because if something tastes horrible with ice in it how do i rate it do i do i take it all or not like do i take mm-hmm. everything into consideration or not um yeah because if I'm judging this just off the straight pour, I am giving it one score, a pretty high score. Yeah. And if mm-hmm. I'm, and then if I was judging it just off of with a cube in there, it would be a very low score. And yeah. so my dilemma is always: Well, do you? Is this about the best overall experience of like taking all that into consideration? Yeah. Or what? I don't. I, and I don't have a right answer. I, I really don't know. For sure. I, I want to say, maybe even just from here on out, that I would like to weigh it higher. Maybe not completely go on it, but weigh it a lot higher on my favorite pour. Yeah. So, you know, if, if the water, if the ice pour is terrible, I don't really want to consider that too much. Especially if the neat end water pour are, like, pretty good. Um, but I want to say, like, I kind of want to drop off the worst. Uh, if that makes sense, right? So i I think I think that part of what we need to do, quite honestly, is mm-hmm. I think that we need to pour two glasses each time, and we have yeah. one one that's neat, and that same neat one we can add a drop of water to, and then our yeah. second glass we can drop a cube in. Be- because yeah. I really think that the fact that we're adding water and then ice to the same thing, it's drastically changing it. Yeah, for sure. So I don't know. So I, so we could go from like the ice pour and be like, now nah, let me go back to the neat pour. Is that what you're saying, basically? No, I, I, I because it wouldn't be back to the neat pour. You would have added water to it. That's true. I guess. Yeah. Uh, I I just mean uh, I'm always I have always been curious how much we're actually altering the taste by doing a drop or two of water. And then in yeah. the same glass, adding ice when like we've already altered the taste uh, quite a bit or, or the feel or whatever with that that drop or two of water. So, yeah, for sure. I've just always thought like maybe we should have two or three different glasses where we can just and maybe it's not a bad idea to have three glasses where we can go back yeah. to the to the neat or go back to just the water or whatever, you know. I'm not against that, especially when like we get this terrible taste in our mouth from the ice pour. Right. Um, and then we're like, no, I just want to finish this on a better note and then go back to the neat or the water pour. Yeah. I'm so down. I don't know. Yeah. Why don't we try but, it next time? But what would you rate this today, Cole? Um, I would put this in mid eight range. No, a little less than mid eight range. Maybe like an 8.3. Very good. Yeah. Um, and for 50 bucks, yeah, yeah, I'd spend that. I'd prefer 40, but 50 is good. Yeah, I, I, uh, you know, here's the thing. How much is, how much is Blanton's generally? Uh, it's like 50 to 70 range. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is good. I would, uh, I was uh, originally thinking like an eight, so I'm going to stick with that. Uh, so we're pretty close okay. today. 
Um, it does that that neat pour really does remind me a lot of uh, of Blanton's. It's got that cinnamony and um, honestly, it almost reminds me of Blanton straight from the barrel. Um, yeah. Okay. So because I you know I have had you know regular Blanton's and we've had the straight from the barrel, uh, and there mm-hmm. is a discernible difference between those two. Um, yeah, the the richness of the cinnamony and sugary taste of this reminds me of what I had with Blanton Straight from the Barrel. Um, so for fifty bucks, I think that's a pretty good value. But I think you're right. I would like to see it more towards that forty dollar range. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, it's it's really good. It's very very good. Yeah. No, I like it, and I've never gotten such a strawberry note off of any whiskey I've ever had. So that's kind of cool. I like that. Right. Um. Cole, do we know what we're going to do next week? <laughs> uh, I, I don't think we do yet. Okay, well, I think um, I think the courier is finally going to swing by my place this week and, uh, and get you some stuff. Um, so I think, I think what we'll do, Cole, is we will do the Still in Oak Rye. Okay. And so yeah, from uh, Great Lakes? Right, and so you'll get some of that from the courier. Um, okay. And uh, I don't remember if you have anything to give him when he swings by you or not, but uh, if you do, you know. Yeah, when he drops by, I'll send uh, with him some. Um, I have some good ones. Um, I got a Russell's Reserve. Uh, I got that. Um, I mentioned it on the Instagram, and I think I mentioned it a few episodes ago, was um, the Buffalo Trace single oak project barrel 16 oh yeah and then i also have the green spot chateau leoville barton and then i got at least one more i'm blanking right now but um oh um 1792 full proof as well so that'll be good that one won the world whiskey of the year um i had it recently i won't say actually i won't give anything away <laughs> okay uh well needless to say we we have a bunch of stuff that we're going to be trading here and se- sending samples with yeah. the courier so it'll be good but next week we're going to do the still and oak rye from great lakes distillery it's something we've been holding on to since june so uh it's yeah been, been a long time coming um cole anything else you want to say about hancocks or anything else no nope. uh it's a good episode in terms of uh sipping and enjoying the bourbon it was good bourbon Absolutely. But now it's time for Whiskey World News. That's right. It's Whiskey World News, the part of the show where we take an article we find online and uh, we give you the website, the title of it, and who wrote it. Uh, because we always want to give credit to those who work hard and we don't want to take the credit, but we're going to read it and discuss it. So this is coming from barons.com, B-A-R-R-O-N-S.com. The title of the article is, Is the Future of Whiskey in China? It's written by Jake Eamon. The Chinese spirits and wine market has long been coveted by and lucrative for international producers. That's particularly true at the super luxe end of the market, where wielding the most well-known and expensive labels of cognac or wine is a great way to show off your wealth and status. But amazingly, the market is still relatively untapped. 
Instead of bringing more foreign products into the country with all the costs of shipping, importation fees, and taxes, the smart money may be on building a brand from the ground up within the country. That's at least what Pernod Ricard is betting on, with the announcement that the global spirits producer has broken ground on a whiskey distillery in Emishan, I don't know if I'm saying that right, located within the Sushan province. The $150 million project is set to debut in 2021 and hopes to begin releasing products in 2023. We have seen a rising trend in appreciation for Asian whiskey around the world, and we think a lot of the Asian countries have been successful with their own interpretations of what whiskey means to their whiskey drinkers, says Jonathan Gauriers. I'm guessing at these pronunciations. Yeah. <laughs> the managing, he's the managing director of Pernod Ricard, China. That's why we want to bring our own whiskey knowledge along with the depths of knowledge from the West, leveraging some of the great assets that China has, and blend all this together to deliver a unique whiskey product for Chinese consumers. Just how untapped is the Chinese market? Consider that Baiju, China's ubiquitous native spirit, is by far the largest spirits category in the world. According to IWSR Drinks Market Analysis, 1.2 billion 9-liter cases of Baiju were consumed in China in 2018. What? Three That's times crazy. more than global vodka consumption, the next largest category. What? With approximately 1.4 billion residents, that's almost a case per person, including individuals of all ages. Yet, Dang. also according to IWSR, the country only imported 1.3 million cases of scotch in 2018, or literally wow. 1,000 times less scotch whiskey purchased than Baiju. One shouldn't assume people will just up and switch over to an entirely new and non-traditional category, but the potential of capturing even a tiny fraction of the segment offers the tantalizing prospects of monumental monetary gain. Pernod also cites its own data for why now is the right time to build a whiskey distillery in China. According to the person, <laughs> the whiskey market has seen a 20% increase in value from 2017 to 2018, whereas the spirits market on the whole is projected to reach 450 billion US dollars by 2021, wow. accounting for 46.9% of the global market. Uh, I'm going to skip ahead a little bit. Uh, Pernod's uh, Emishan Malt Whiskey Distillery also hopes to capitalize on tourism, targeting a goal of 2 million visitors within its first decade. That's keeping in line with what other standout distilleries in Asia have achieved. Consider that in Taiwan, the Kavalan Distillery attracts roughly 1 million visitors per year, while in Japan, Nika's two distilleries attracted 1.5 million tourists in 2015, riding the wave of a popular television series based on the life of its founder. Huh. Blah, 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 That's. I mean, you can go read this, guys. Again, it's barons.com. Title is, Is the Future of Whiskey in China? Cool, I think this is interesting because um, it doesn't really sound like they're looking to export it to the States or anything. Um, it looks like they're just like, hey, we want to do something for our people here in China and really just for them. So, yeah. Um, I don't know. It's. I, I would love to see what they do and, and hopefully we'll one day be able to try it. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's interesting. Yeah, when I think about uh, Asian whiskey, I think of 
um, three brands or three like countries. There's Japanese, which is well established in my opinion. There's the Taiwanese Cavalan. And then there's, uh, if you want to go into like India and consider that, there's um, Amroot, which is a big, uh, big deal in terms of like single malts. Um, but China is like completely empty um, in terms of whiskey. And I did not know that, the, what is it, Baiju? What do they yeah. call it? Baiju. B-A-I-J-U. Okay. Yeah, I had no idea that was that big a deal. Like basically every member of that country has basically had a, a full case in a year. Right. Um, that's That's crazy to me. Um, but I do think that, you know, it has, it's completely unsaturated in terms of just whiskey, um, not spirits. Um, but I think if like someone were to say, you know, I kind of like whiskey a little more than Baiju, um, then that's a big deal because I would imagine that, a you know, a small, if, even if a small percentage of China got into whiskey more than Baiju, then that would be a huge win. Cause the, how many billion people are in China? You said like one point something billion, yeah, and, I think it was one point uh, four billion. Yeah, and that is, I mean, if you get one percent of that, that's a lot of money. Yeah. Uh, so if you get like ten percent, that's a ton of money. So I think they're doing a actually a brilliant thing in terms of marketing to China because China um, just doesn't have. I mean, they might have some um, variety there. I don't know how crazy Baiju gets in comparison to other spirits, but if you throw in whiskey there, I mean. I can probably tell you I'd probably prefer whiskey to Baiju, and I haven't even tried Baiju, but I would love to try it. Yeah, like you said. Um, but yeah, if there's a few people every now and then that like it, they'll make some good money. So that's kind of what I'm thinking. For sure. Uh, Cole, explain to people what 1% of a billion is. Uh, 1% of a billion is, uh, what, 10, um, 10 million? Yeah, $10 million. Uh, so, yeah. you, so that's one, if they can get 1% of the market, um, you know, they're, they've got 10 billion or 10 million people drinking. That's what that yeah. means. Um, yeah. and, and so let's just say, you know, the average cost of a bottle of whiskey is going to be $40. I mean, that's $40 million. <laughs> that's $400 million. Oh, it is $400 million. Oh yes. You're if right. You times you're right. It by yes. 40, yes. Yeah. By 40. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was doing that math wrong. Uh, that's a lot of money. Yeah, I mean that's insane for one percent of the market, and, and I, I guess I don't know. You know, I'm not, I'm not an economist. I'm not. I don't care really. I don't know how crazy it would be or how far fetched it would be to think that they could get one percent market market share. So no, it doesn't sound that crazy to me. No, not at all. So, uh, although again, you do have to take into consideration that um, that figure is basically figuring in. P- everyone in china so from birth sure. to 150 years old um yeah or whatever so there's a large portion of that that aren't drinkers because they're underage but i mean whatever. yeah but but that's also assuming that they would drink one every one percent of that country total was drinking only one bottle of whiskey a year so right. i think that's even still small to assume yeah so i yeah. think they're easily good money to be made there absolutely all right. Well, uh, I like that article. That was a good one. Um, yeah. Uh, blah, blah, blah. What are we drinking again next week? The Oh, that's right. Oh, you tell me. Still an Oak Rye from Great Lakes Distillery. Um, it's going to be delicious, and we're going to have a good time. Any any final thoughts here, Cole? No. I thought this was a fun time. I'm glad we could. Uh, it was a good ep- I mean, a good uh, article, too. Like you said, 
Yeah, so good time. Absolutely. All right, well, listeners, I'm not going to say a bunch of things that I hope. I'm only going to say that I hope that our love of spirits lifted yours. Mm-hmm.